scripture passage for this morning is Joshua 4, verses 1 through 11. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn there with me. Now, I had a a revelation about five minutes ago, and that's that I forgot to check what uh, Bible version you use here. And so uh, the words on the screen are going to be in the ESV. Um, If you have a Bible, I'll just read from the NIV. I see that's what you have here in the pews. So I'm going to read the the pew version, um, Joshua 4. Verses 1 through 11. And I'll explain in a a moment why I chose this passage for uh, this morning. But let's hear God's word. Joshua 4, 1 through 11. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, uh, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priests stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over, uh, over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who, who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. Now the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. Grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning uh, in your word, we pray uh, that you would teach us from it. Father, speak to us uh, this morning, uh, for this is your holy and inspired word. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us uh, eyes to see, ears to hear all that you have for us uh, in uh, your word this morning. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Rocks, rivers, and reminders. Uh, Now, uh, normally, uh, those three words don't go together, especially the last of those three words, but here in Joshua 4, all three of these words come together. As Joshua recounts the events surrounding the Israelites' crossing of the Jordan River and entering into the Promised Land. Now, Technically, the story or the account of the Jordan crossing covers three chapters in Joshua. Joshua chapter 3, Joshua chapter 4, 
in Joshua chapter 5, and so we've read just a portion of that this morning. I want to focus on just this section uh, that we've read from Joshua 4, which recounts the crossing of the Jordan and the setting up of, of 12 stones in memorial as a reminder of what God had done for the people. I think this is a great passage to consider on a New Year's Day morning. Because just as the crossing of the Jordan marked a new beginning and a new chapter in Israel's life, similarly, the dawning of a new year is in many ways like a new beginning. At least it feels that way. It feels like a fresh start. It's a time when many people are making New Year's resolutions. Resolutions to make perhaps significant changes in their life in the coming year. Maybe to be uh, recommitted to uh, a devotional time. I saw uh, the slide about reading through the Bible uh, this year with your pastor. Uh, Perhaps resolutions of that nature. And so I find that this passage is particularly helpful in times like today when we're already thinking about fresh starts and new beginnings. The crossing of the Jordan River was a significant moment for God's people. And this, in this significant moment, God wanted to impress upon his people certain truths or lessons that they needed to remember as they entered into the promised land. And as we step into a new year this morning, those same truths that Israel needed to hear are the same ones that we need to hear right at the beginning of 2023. But in order to get at the truth, uh, we, we discover in this passage, we first need to understand why the memorial stones were needed in the first place. And so first consider with me the danger God's people faced. That's the first point. The danger God's people faced. To be sure, uh, Joshua and God's people were about to face many dangers as they crossed the Jordan River in their journey to the Promised Land, there were, of course, many physical dangers that awaited them. And Joshua, more than anyone, knew of those physical dangers because, as you may recall, Joshua was one of those 12 spies whom Moses had previously sent into the land uh, to spy out the land. Numbers 13 tells us the report that those spies brought back to the people of Israel. And and 10 of those 12 spies gave a bad report. Numbers 13 says this, so they brought the report uh, of Israel, uh, they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. We seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers and so we seemed to them now of course joshua and caleb the two remaining spies uh, saw the same things that everybody else saw but even in the face of these uh, these daunting enemies joshua and caleb trusted that god would keep his promise and would fulfill his victory nonetheless joshua was well aware of the dangers that awaited them, powerful enemies, armed peoples. But even before they could concern themselves with preparing for the many battles that were looming over, there was another major roadblock they had to tackle. 
actually wasn't so much a roadblock as a river. And we see the physical danger of the river, uh, of the Jordan itself, in Joshua 3, verse 15. And we're told uh, that uh, the crossing of the Jordan took place at the time when the Jordan River was at its flood stage. Interesting timing, isn't it? All the rain that we had yesterday, I saw on the news this morning uh, about Highway 99 being closed around Elk Grove, and I, I heard yesterday in Modesto as well because of water covering the road. And so we can imagine, uh, it doesn't even take that much imagination to see how uh, water at flood stage would be a problem. And so this river that they were about to cross was not just a gentle flowing stream. It was a raging river. It was deeper and wider than it would be at other times of the year. Meaning that at this particular time that the Lord was leading them across the Jordan River, from a human standpoint, it was nearly impossible to cross. I'd say that those are some pretty significant dangers. Yet if we pay attention to the details that were given in Joshua 3 and 4 and 5, it becomes clear that from God's perspective, the biggest danger that God's people faced were not the physical dangers at all. It wasn't the people's. It wasn't the Jordan River itself. But rather, there was a greater danger that confronted them. And that danger was a spiritual danger. It was a danger that God's people would face after they crossed the Jordan and had finally settled into their new home in the promised land. It was the danger that somehow, in some way, they would forget that the Lord their God had delivered them. That's why we see at the very center of this story about the crossing of the Jordan, which again spans three chapters, at the very center of it, we find God giving his people instructions, not, not preparing them for battle, he doesn't have them sharpening swords. He doesn't have them even preparing rafts to cross the river. Those weren't the dangers that the Lord was concerned about. But right at the center of this, uh, of this account of the crossing of the Jordan, what God has his people doing is building a memorial. It's interesting, don't you think? With all of these other all of these other worries and fears surrounding them, God has them build a memorial. Joshua 4, verses 6 and 7, when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? You shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And then note these words, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel, a memorial forever. Why does God have them pause to take time to stack a pile of heavy stones on the bank of the Jordan River when there were other important matters to attend to, when there were life-threatening battles looming over their shoulders? A commentator named uh, Dale Ralph Davis, uh, who I greatly appreciate, he explains it rather nicely in his commentary. He says, we observe a certain assumption operating in Joshua 4, verses 1 to 10. Namely, that the greatest enemy of faith may be forgetfulness. 
I'd like to think that we as New Testament people would have outgrown this tendency that Israel faced. But forgetfulness may indeed be our greatest enemy as well. It's not that we're in danger of literally forgetting God. It's not the danger of forgetting that God exists or, or even forgetting what God has done, but, but rather the kind of forgetfulness that we, that we see here that the Lord was concerned about is the forgetfulness that is a, it's really a condition of the heart in which we fail to remember to look to God and trust in the Lord as we go about our daily lives. In Deuteronomy 8, which uh, Dr. Davis references at the end of that quote here, in Deuteronomy 8, God warned his people through Moses that there would be a temptation to forget God when they entered the promised land and not because of the hardships that they would face. In Deuteronomy 8, it's, it's actually because their lives uh, would be prospering. Moses anticipates them living comfortable lives in, in homes that they have built, that they would be living well. And yet he warned them that in those days they would be t- tempted to forget that the Lord was the one who was their provider, not themselves. For they would begin to think that they were the ones who had delivered themselves into the promised land, that they were the ones that were in control of their own lives. And so I wonder this morning if we fall into that same tendency as well here in the 21st century. We're so blessed by wealth and resources. We have access to anything that we could possibly need. I wonder if at times, in the quietness of our hearts, in the subtlety of our hearts, we might forget that we really do rely upon God. I think sometimes we can live with this inward attitude of heart, though I don't think we would ever say it. We would never say it out loud. Maybe we would never consciously think it, but an attitude that tells us that we can take care of ourselves. We don't really need God's help. See, that was the danger that God's people were facing. It's the danger that we face today. And so it it seems that we really do need to pay attention to what God was doing through Israel, with Israel, at the Jordan River. Because we too need reminders to help us keep our eyes fixed on the Lord, our God. And so secondly, let's consider in greater detail the method that God employed to address this danger. And the method God employs to help his people remember him is a stone memorial. But it's much more than a pile of rocks. And to see this, we need to look in closer, uh, closer at the details that Joshua gives here in Joshua 4. Listen again to these instructions in verses 1 to 3. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from among the people, from each tribe a man. Command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, 
from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Now there's a lot here, so let me just highlight a few uh, significant pieces to, to these instructions that God gives. First, we need to take note of the location of the memorial. It's not that the Lord called his people uh, after they'd settled in the promised land and said, hey, I think it'd be good for you guys to remember what, what, what I did for you way back in, in the Jordan. So in the middle of a town square, you know, put up a memorial. It, it wasn't that. God directs them to take stones from the middle of the Jordan River itself, right from the very place where the Lord had, had performed this miraculous sign. Right from the dry ground that they had walked across. If I can put it this way, the memorial was built out of the very stuff, the very material uh, that God had used to deliver his people into the promised land. The very stuff and material that God had used to display his power and presence to his people. And so there was a specific place to point. These are the rocks that we carried out of the Jordan River. So we note the location of the memorial, but secondly, we need to take note of the scope of the memorial. Again, God's attention to detail here is amazing. He doesn't just say, take a few stones from the Jordan River and, and put together a memorial. No, he, he tells us in verse 2 that they were to take exactly 12 stones from the Jordan River. And those stones were to be carried by a representative from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Why is that significant? Why does that matter? It's significant because it shows that this memorial and all that it symbolized was meant to be a reminder to all of God's people. This becomes uh, even more significant when we remember that Three of the tribes of Israel, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, weren't actually going to live in the Promised Land. They were going to dwell on the east side of the Jordan River. And yet, those three tribes crossed over the Jordan with the rest of the people of Israel. And so this sign, this memorial, was to be a reminder to all of God's people that what had taken place uh, was God working for his people in their entirety, all of the tribes of Israel. In other words, the scope of the memorial was that it was inclusive, inclusive of all of God's covenant people, all of his chosen and redeemed people. It was a sign to all of them. And thirdly, we need to take note of what I can only describe as the God-centeredness of the memorial. This third observation becomes clear uh, when, if we were to read all of chapters 3 and 4 together, which we don't have time to do this morning. But I say that because the way that these chapters are written, they're written in such a way that we cannot miss the fact that this was God's doing. God was the one who dried up the Jordan River. God was the one who led his people across. How do we see this in Joshua 3 and 4? 
And the answer is through a lot of repetition. What we find in Joshua 3 and 4 is that the same details are given over and over and over again in a variety of different ways. And so as we read through Joshua 3 and 4, it's, it's not so much that we're reading this chronological account of, uh, of the Jordan River crossing from beginning to the end. But rather what we see is the same details being given really from different angles. It's sort of like a slow motion replay uh, that you might see during a football game. You know, there's a, a, a catch uh, and the guy goes out of bounds. Was he in bounds or out of bounds? And so you see all of these slow motion replays from all different angles trying to find out the truth. And that's what Joshua 3 and 4 is like. And, and so if we were to read through these chapters, there would be some key terms that we would see repeated over and over and over again. Three or four terms. And there, there on the screen, we see the word priest appear 15 times. We could add to that five times we see the word feet, referring to the priest's feet, pointing to the very place where they were standing in the middle of the Jordan River. Joshua 3 and 4 emphasize the fact that it was the priests standing in the middle of the Jordan. Along with them, the Ark of the Covenant. And we see that word repeated 17 times uh, through these two chapters. The Ark of the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant, the priests carrying the Ark. And then what took place? We see this word uh, that's translated Passover or crossover used some 18 times through these two chapters. I know you can't read this uh, next slide, but I highlighted all of these terms in just the 11 verses that we read to show how they show up time and time again. Uh, there's this repetition of priests and the ark and people crossing over the river on dry ground. And over and over and over again, our eyes are being directed toward the priest standing in the middle of the Jordan, carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolizes the very presence of God, while the entire nation passes over the Jordan on dry ground. So the memorial was God's method for helping his people to remember that it was God who not only had delivered them from Egypt, really in a similar way, but it was also God who delivered them into the promised land. You might be thinking, well, that's pretty neat, but what does that have to do with me? Uh, God certainly doesn't command us to build stone memorials anymore, does he? Well, no, he doesn't. But the reason for that, if I can put it this way, is because in the New Testament, God has built them for us. We refer to them as sacraments, baptism, and the Lord's Supper. God has given us reminders, memorials. Remember Jesus' words at the institution of the Lord's Supper, Luke 22. And he took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember, he says. And this memorial, too, points to a location, doesn't it? The Lord's Supper points us to the cross, to the very place where God redeemed us, where he rescued us, 
where he paid the price for our sin. And so this New Testament memorial has a place. It also has a comprehensive scope. It's for all believers, all who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a God-centeredness about it as well. For the Lord's Supper and baptism tell us that God is the one who has delivered us. God is the one who's rescued us from our bondage to sin and has delivered us into his kingdom, into eternal life, into his covenant embrace. And so the point that I'm making is this. In God's infinite wisdom, in his infinite knowledge, he recognized the forgetfulness of the human heart and just how much we would need tangible reminders, even of truths essential to our salvation. We would need to remember. And what this tells us, dear friends, is that our God has gone out of his way not only to, to do what's, what, what was essential for our salvation, but also that he's gone out of his way to make sure that we would not miss it. To make sure that we would not forget what Christ has accomplished for us through his life and death and resurrection. Every time we gather for the Lord's Supper, every time uh, we witness a baptism, God is saying to us, remember what I've done for you. When your children ask, what is this bread about and what is this cup about? Tell them how I delivered you from your sin. You see, God has given us reminders. We can add a further way that God has gone out of his way to keep us from forgetting his grace, that is, through the written word of God, the holy inspired word of God. God has made himself known to us he wants to be known. He, he wants us to remember who he is and what he has done. And so what does this tell us about our God? That's a good question to ask. What does this tell us about God? What, what is God telling us about himself? What, what does he want us to know through rocks and a river or through bread and wine. That leads us finally to consider very briefly the message God's people needed. The message that God wanted his people to hear. What he wanted them to know at this point in, in uh, the history of Israel. As they were preparing to enter into the new land. What, what he wanted them to remember when they looked upon these memorial stones is really not all that different from the message that God had spoken to Joshua himself right at the very beginning of the book of Joshua. These are, are probably familiar words. Joshua 1 verse 9. God said to Joshua, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In Joshua 3 and 4, in the account of the Jordan crossing, we're specifically told three times what God wanted his people to know at this moment. 
what these memorial stones were to remind them of. We're told three times throughout uh, these chapters. In Joshua 3, verse 10, we read these words. Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and all the other peoples. And then we read in Joshua 4, verse 6 and 7, which we've read this morning. Again, this, uh, this sign. And when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? You shall tell them the waters of the Jordan were cut off. Notice, it's not just that they were cut off, but the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. In other words, what happened here happened because the presence of God was with his people. And then again at the end of Joshua 4, we read these words in verse 23 and 24, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, so that, notice the purpose statement, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you would know that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Is there any question as to what Israel was to see and know through uh, this miraculous crossing of the Jordan River? Is there any question as to what God wanted them to know as they set foot into the promised land? He wanted them to know that he was their deliverer, that he was with them still, because he was their God in whom they could forever put their trust. And so, dear friends in the Lord Jesus Christ, I, I hope that by now you're beginning to see why this passage is relevant to us this morning as we stand on the bank of a new year. Who knows what this year will hold for each of us? Lord willing, we will face many joys in the coming year. For some, there will likely be sorrows and hardships. I keep hearing about uh, how this year may push, uh, push us into a full-blown recession if we're not already there. Just this past week, I read uh, in, in the paper that, or in the paper, does anybody do that anymore? I, I read online that uh, there's fear that, that China is going to reinfect the world with COVID as cases are out of control there and, and they've decided uh, that it's a good time to open their borders for foreign travel. And so we begin to think, oh Lord, not again. <laughs> but whatever this year holds, right now, this very morning, we need to hear again. We need to remember the message that the Lord our God, the sovereign king of the universe, the Lord of the cosmos, we need to remember and believe and to cling to the message he was conveying through rocks and rivers in which he reaffirmed in a much more profound way through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What he's saying to you this morning is this, do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. For I am the Lord your God. 
and I will still be with you wherever you go. Know that you have been delivered by my mighty hand, and my mighty hand will continue to deliver you until the day that you are delivered into your eternal home with me. And so, people of God, on this New Year's Day, remember and believe all that Christ has done through his death and resurrection. Remember and believe that no matter what happens to us in this world, his promises will never fail. That is the message that we learn through rocks and rivers and reminders. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray that you would encourage our hearts, Father, as there are many days that it feels like uh, we are crossing a raging river. And through all of the ups and downs, through all of the difficulties, and even through the joys, Father, we pray that our eyes would be fixed on you. And that the message you spoke to your people so long ago, and the message you have spoken to us through your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray that uh, we would cling firmly to that message. For you are our God and we are your people. And Father, we know that our lives rest in your good and gracious hands. And so we look to you this morning on the beginning of this new year, on this New Year's Day. And Father, we pray that you would help us to keep our eyes fixed on you today and every day. For you are our God forever. So encourage our hearts this morning. Father, lift us up. Draw us to yourself. And help us to, um, to, to live with faith and hope and trust in you, our Lord and God. We pray this. In the name of Jesus.